Welcome to Office Hours, a podcast presented by College Fashionista. It's Amy Levin here. This week's episode is with mega YouTube star and entrepreneur, Michelle Fawn. We chatted about how she got her start, life as a college art student, and where she thinks the beauty industry is heading. I left the conversation so inspired by this go-getter and her making magic happen attitude. Enjoy our chat. I certainly did. So you're originally from Boston. Yep, Massachusetts. And where about in Boston? Uh, the city of Boston. I was born in Elizabeth Hospital, but I didn't stay there that long. We immediately moved to the Bay Area right Oh, afterwards. really? Okay, so you yeah. grew up in the West Coast. Yeah, I grew up in the West Coast, but East Coast girl at heart. Right, for sure. And what was it like growing up in the Bay Area? It was it was awesome. It was really normal for me at first because um, going to school, um, people treated me normally. I mean, I was always the new girl because my family would move around a lot, but yeah. um, I didn't really feel racially discriminated until my family moved to, to Florida. And I went. How to, old were you at that point? I was um, so I'd be like in third grade. So how old? How old is third graders? <laughs> you're like nine. I think you're yeah. nine. Um, that was when I realized I was Asian because everyone else around me was not Asian. Yeah. I was one of the only Asian person in class, and um, I was discriminated because of that, or because I was different. You know, I understand, and I was the new girl too. That didn't help out as much, and that was when I realized, wow. Um, uh, that was my first moment of having like social anxiety. I didn't really have that before because. And as a nine year old, that's scary. Yeah, it's, it's super sad. scary. What's cool, you know? Like, what doesn't, what doesn't kill you make you stronger, right? That's Absolutely. What they say. And did you kind of use that, um, that feeling of like isolation and not fitting in to propel what you did next, or like how how did that impact your future career? Do you think? I think it impacted me more on how I was okay with being alone because you know how some people they need to be around others or they always actively need to be with people but because I did feel in a way alienated it gave me the ability to just be comfortable by myself be comfortable being alone but not feeling lonely so I never really felt alone yeah when I was by myself I, I was very much like in my own imagination drawing and creating so I guess it did help out in a, in, a, in a weird way, it did. Right. No, I mean, I find that, like, so much of your childhood is is really kind of, it shapes who you are now. It and it, totally There's so much influence. You. And when you're For young, sure. you don't realize when you're in it, but you're no, like, that yeah. was probably good that I lived in Florida and, like, didn't fit in. And instead oh, of, like, yeah, going yeah. out and doing what everyone else is doing. A hundred percent. So let's fast forward. Did you go to college? I did go to college. Where'd I you go? attended Ringling College of Art and Design. Originally, I was going to, um, I was applying for, Uh, different universities for the medical program but last minute I decided to do a career switch spending my entire life you know um, studying medicine going to different health academies in middle school and high school I just flipped and I realized I spent my entire life chasing after my mother's dream and I don't know if I'm going to be happy but I'm doing this because I have to make money yeah however I don't it just scared me knowing that my entire life would be planned out ahead of me. You know, when you go to med school, you, yep. you, you know, 13 years, then you do like your residence and, and then you start working and then retirement. And it scared me because I, I, I felt like it was too predictable. Yeah. And I'm the type of person where I love spontaneity because I believe that's where magic happens. It's in the unexpected, the unplanned is when magic happens. So that was when I, um, 
I, I, I took out this, uh, uh, I took out the Ringling College application, I filled it out and I mailed that out. I told my mom that I might be going to art school. I hope you're okay with that. Were and they supportive? She was so sad because, yeah. um, you know, she, my mother came to this country as an immigrant after the Vietnam War. She was sponsored to come here. Um, so her whole family moved out here. She came from a family of 10 brothers and sisters. It's crazy. So they didn't have any money. And yeah. I grew up, um, not, like, I grew up with, with, um, with very little means. That's why we had to move a lot, because my father, he would gamble our rent money, so we wouldn't have, you know, any more um, money for the rent, and we would get evicted. And, and you remember all of that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I remember spending majority of my childhood living in the backseat of a car. That's and just crazy. driving to like finding a new home. So I think this is why, personality-wise, I'm not a sentimental person, because I had to train myself not to be sen- attached to things, attached to a friend, or attached to anything. So, like you mentioned, like yeah. your childhood really does shape you to who you are. They were upset that you weren't going to go into oh, medical yeah. school because that's like I feel like a golden ticket. It's like pretty, oh, sure. pretty like sure thing that it's you're going to sure make thing. good money you're yes. going to have a good life and you're and a, respected yeah that's what my mother cared about for sure was like, my dad's a doctor so i get it they yeah. he really wanted me to go into medicine so yeah. i totally understand and no hate or no shade on anyone in the medical industry i think it's one of the most uh probably i mean literally people are saving lives you know right. we, we need that industry and it's very well respected but you know, I, vo- I was I was volunteering at the hospital. I was working in the ER room and um, helping uh, the uh, radiate the radiate the rad tech, the radiation tech, going and like uh, we were going to different hospital rooms and like X-raying people. And I, I just saw I have so much empathy that when I saw people in pain, I felt so bad. I felt helpless that I couldn't help them. It's a heavy field. It really, you take it home with you. Yeah, and I didn't know that was part of the job. You know, like yeah. when they say, oh, yeah, you can be a doctor, yada, yada, yada. It's not the same as giving lollipops to no. your, your patient and after giving them a shot. You know, there's a lot of, I guess, mental trauma that you bring home with you that you don't really realize. You Absolutely. Know? And I didn't want that for myself because, you know, I knew my weakness and I, I'm very empathetic. So I decided to become an artist. And I, I told my mom, look, doesn't mean I'm going to be poor. I'll find a way to make money while still doing what I love because I know there's a way. I still believed in the American dream at that time. And so going to art school was a pivotal part in my in my timeline because had I not have gone to art school, I would have never have gotten the laptop that my school donated. And they donated MacBook Pros to all the freshman students. What year was this? This was 2006. Okay. So I... And every freshman got a laptop? And this was the first time they did it. So if... The thing is, I deferred a year because um, I made the decision last minute to change my uh, career, and that kind of threw everything off the timeline. So I deferred... Was it a year? Maybe it was half a year. I deferred half... Yeah. I deferred like half a year, up to a year. And... um, if I had gone to art school the year I was supposed to, would have never gotten that laptop. It's so, so it's weird. really crazy how our intuition has a funny way of bringing us where we need to be when we don't really think about it. Absolutely. And I listened to that intuition that told me, fill out art school, go to this one art school, go to Yeah, and how did year. you choose that art school? Did you do research? Did you know someone who I, went there? I did research on um, the best uh, illustration schools in the East Coast. And also I wanted to be closer to my mother because she's very, you know, she's very attached to my family. You know, she's a single mom, so we're all she has. Absolutely. So I wanted to be at least like an hour away from her. Um, so it was a nice compromise. You know, I'm not going to go to med school, but I'll go to this art school that's close to you. So yeah. compromise, mom. <laughs> right. Um, and, and did you did you end up finishing out your time at school? 
I finished my junior year, so I had one year left. So your senior year when you're in art school, well, mine in particular, it's dedicated to your thesis. Most schools. Yeah, most schools. So you spend your Terrible year. Stressful year, too. Ironically, though, my thesis, before I, before I decided to take a hiatus from college, because this was during the time when my YouTube channel was taking off, Lancome wanted to fly me to New York every other month, I knew that I wasn't able to juggle school while, while doing this, so I made the conscious choice to just put, put, put my last year on the back burner because school will always be there, but an opportunity like this could come once in a lifetime. You never know. So I took that chance, and I really believed that after a year I would come back and finish it, but That's funny. <laughs> but the funny thing, the irony of all this is that my thesis was actually um, – it was going to be. It was. It was. It was between me doing a whole illustrative story on the four apocalypse, end of the world, because you know I'm that person. I'm dark, like, <laughs> dark, I'm like super into Game of Thrones, zombies, like end of the world, woohoo! Or um, a makeup line that I would illustrate the packaging. Because during that time, a lot of these brands like Mac, they were they were collabing with illustrators. We're now at what 2009 or 2000. That was 2000. Yeah, that was 2009. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So then yeah. you decided to put the last year on hold and your career yeah. just took off from there. Yeah. And the, Do you ever wish that you finished? Well, I thought about it, you know. I actually thought about that a few years back when my school gave me an honorary doctorate. You know, they said, yeah. they said you deserve this, yada, yada. I'm like, well, yeah, because this was my thesis, but it's cool. Thanks, guys. It was really more for my mom, you know, to show her that I finished. Because and for yourself. I mean, that's a huge honor to get that. It is a huge honor, but I, did, I never felt like I needed validation from any school or university to validate what I want to do. You know, for me, school is a tool. It was a place for me to learn what I needed to learn, and it's validation more for me to to get a certain job that I wanted but at that time I wasn't even I wasn't even like sending my portfolio to agencies I was doing YouTube yeah I was creating YouTube and in a way like creating a new type of portfolio on my channel instead yeah I mean you just hit the market at the The right right time time. always the right right time success is you know so many people want to plan for success but you can't really plan it you can only you can only continue to perfect your art or pivot and evolve whatever it is that you're doing, your ideas, continue evolving it until you find something that works and that sticks. And this is why I believe failure was um, the played, a, played an instrumental role on my success. I had to fail a lot in order to learn what it is or what it was I needed to focus my time on, develop further, maybe remove. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're evolving along with um, your successes and failures. So that was important for me to understand that concept early on. And I think that it's good for listeners to hear that from you because these guys put so much pressure so on themselves. So much pressure. And yeah. you know, I mean, your, your junior year and your senior year, if you're in an art program, is so stressful. So in addition to doing your thesis, you're also it trying is. to figure out what I want to do after school. Yeah. How am I going to make money? Yeah. It's a yeah. lot. And, like, the school will promise you that they will get you a job. But it's all up to you. It, it is really you. It's we, really you, your ability sure. to network, your ability to be at the right place at the right time. Opportunity is luck meets preparation. So you always have to be prepared whenever these opportunities come. You know, and a little bit of luck helps out, of course. But I think um, the biggest takeaway that I learned so far was I was consistent. I was consistently chasing after my dream. I wasn't just doing it and then pausing and going out and, like, getting like messed up and you know I was you were focused I I was focused I didn't go to the parties I 
I mean, I could have, and I and sometimes do I do you I, wish that I, you I that, that you like, took part in any of that like typical wanted, college behavior. I I asked myself that, but then I realized I'm kind of an introvert, I'm kind of awkward at parties, so maybe it's actually best if I just didn't go to these parties. And I think it worked out um, in the long term because I I had so I had so much more fun making these videos isolated in my bathroom by myself and talking to my followers than I would have at any of the best parties at that time. Right, you had more of a connection to those people and probably the people at your school. Yeah, it was more mean. And the funny thing is people in my school didn't know that I was doing this. I kept it on the DL. Why? I didn't want anyone to know. And you could, most YouTubers, if you ever interview interview anymore, um, or or if, if you do interview more YouTubers, they... They, they might mention how they didn't tell their family that they were doing YouTube or their friends. Is it? It's kind of embarrassing. It's an embarrassment? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, imagine if you had your friend watch you applying makeup As and like talking. like an 18 Hey, guys, what's up? Nah, nah, nah. Like, dude, that's so Are you like, please don't watch it. Don't watch <laughs> it. watch it because I, I need views, but don't cringe, watch it. Cringe, cringe. Yeah, just watch the first 10 seconds and then click it off <laughs> for me to get that AdSense. I get it. I get it. Right, exactly. Um, Was there a moment where you feel like you know, you said you went through a lot of failures, but was there a moment where you're like, this is right, like I'm doing something right, this formula is working, like what was that? It was when, I like I just kept seeing my viewership skyrocketing and my, and my subscription going up. Because I, of the consistent videos? Because of the yeah. consistent videos, because I was making videos that were very helpful. I was showing girls how they can stretch out their shoes if it's a half size or full size too small using ice um, and, and Ziploc bags. Like real, have, like things that people could actually hacks, have an hacks before actionable hacks. item on. Yeah. yeah, hacks and DIYs before it became a thing now. Right. Um, because I, for me, it was just a way to share how to live life skillfully, and it was my way of giving back to a community that gave me so much inspiration. You know, it was my gift back to them. Yeah. And it was great. And you started making money off of it. I didn't start making money until two years later because I was on that early on, and I was really doing it because I loved it. At one point, I think I was going broke because I was trying to buy all my makeup. Beauty brands didn't, like, I think two beauty brands sent me stuff, but that was it. I mean, a lot of the things I had to buy were discounted. Um, I had to go online and find um, really good deals. I I even shopped off of um, the discounted bins at Walgreens where they have used makeup. If there's an eyeliner that's 35 cents, just sharpen it. It's brand new again, you know? Right. And then it was about scrappy. two years in where you have to be scrappy. You have to be scrappy. You always have to think you scrappy, to even be. when you make it big. You know, everyone starts from somewhere, you know, started from the bottom. And know? then once you started getting moving, and the industry changed, right? Like, they started... It start- took a while to change, I felt. Yeah. And like, for real, guys, like, now you're you're finally doing things with, with creators. Come on. That was so three, four years ago. But no shade on them. It's just, it's a, it's a lot to prove to... Uh, the higher ups and the executives who didn't grow up online, you know, they don't they really didn't get watch the these. digital space. They don't get the digital space, but they see that money is here, the market is here. So now they're ready. But it is a little, they're a little late to the party. I feel a lot of people right now. But early on, um, few people understood the power and they saw the opportunity. And so um, it was nice because um, YouTube was able when YouTube activated Partners Program. That gave me the ability to quit my part-time job as a waitress because I worked as a waitress during the weekends. I was a full-time student, and I was doing these YouTube videos on the side, so I had no life. Yeah. It was just school, work, and then videos. <laughs> and Which is the fun. It, it was fun for me because um, when I was younger, art was fun. Me- you know, Studying medicine wasn't fun and health. 
And then I went to art school, and art became work because all these deadlines. So art was no longer fun. These YouTube videos became fun. This was like your outlet. Yeah, it was totally my creative outlet. We all need one. You know, every single person, if you're listening, you have to have a creative outlet that is untouched from the monetary system. Yeah. Or from school or from, Or from school, from, you know, from that, from the grind, I guess. I get it. Um, I started college fashion in college because I went to Indiana and I wasn't a partier and I I just couldn't work in the conventional school system of like listening to professor tell me about business. I was like, I, I need to actually experience business yeah, to understand. You're hands on, right? You're hands on. So learner. I started my blog and it's so funny because I remember I was a bit embarrassed by it as well. When you didn't I tell started your friends it. either? I was just embarrassed by it. And now thinking back when you, you brought that up, I hadn't thought about that. Like why why was it an embarrassing thing? But I don't know because it was different because I started in 2009 yeah. when like Blogs also weren't big at yeah, that point. Yeah, they weren't big. No one knew. Like, why are you wasting your time doing this? It's changed so much, and I don't know. I'm just very curious where it's going from here because there, you are, like, one in a million, but there are so many YouTubers, mm-hmm. and there's so many bloggers, and, like, what do you think is next? Well, the disruption is already here in this beauty space. You have um, no, no longer needing or no longer placing all of the authority into the hands of uh, beauty editors who have been around for so long and they were um, in a way on top of the food chain with the magazines because it's all about media and distribution. So at the time it was about magazines, but now the distribution of media is more immediate and it's digital. People want things now. So YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, I mean, it's there. And if you're not there, in a way you don't really exist. So these beauty creators who are on all these platforms they have more visibility to the market who are interested in makeup and less less about the beauty editors. And there's no longer that authoritative figure, this authoritative voice that says, you have to use this. This is, this is the best blush. This is the best product. It's so diverse now because these beauty creators, they represent people, um, uh, genders and, and, and races from all walks of life. And beauty is very personal. One product may work great on you but it's not going to work great on me but that's okay because you follow someone that's like you I follow someone like me and this is how uh, product recommendations they become more fluid more dynamic and also they feel more authentic too because it's like like a real person absolutely yeah you know this wasn't well now it's getting trickier because the industry has been so commercialized that's that's my feeling I just feel like there's a couple, you know, star players such as yourself that, you know, that I follow, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's just so much noise that I yeah. almost don't know who to believe anymore because it all feels very, yeah. just, oh, I, I don't know, just doesn't excite me in the same way that it used to. It doesn't because it wasn't like back in 2009, even up until like 2012 or 13 when you had uh, beauty creators taking out um, a NYX jumbo milk crayon and using it as primer. You know, it was a way, it was a hack. It wasn't a hack that NYX told people to use. It was a hack that the creators found, you know, when they were shopping at Ulta and they bought like this NYX jumbo crayon or the Urban Decay primer potion. You know, that was also a product that um, the beauty space kind of broke out. No one really knew. Urban Decay wasn't as big as it was today. And it was because of primer potion, not naked palettes. I have to remind people it was primer potion that kind of put Urban Decay on the map. The girls um, love Urban Decay. Yeah. And I, I remember how at that time in the early on, Urban Decay wasn't that big. NYX wasn't that big. And today, that's what everyone's using. So right. you see how how um, creators are so influential. And 
on where brands are going. And so this is why I think the industry is going to do it. Uh, it's gonna, there's going to be another sh- dynamic shift that's going to happen really soon where uh, a lot of these creators are going to launch their own brand. They're going to do uh, collabs with brands, but I think later they're going to want to launch their own brand. It makes a lot of sense because you have more control, just like me. Yeah, let's talk about your brand. Yeah, so I'm relaunching my brand. I launched it back in 2013 right. um, when I partnered with L'Oreal. In 2015, I was able to buy my brand and my name back. And now, under my full ownership and leadership, I could uh, revamp it and, and, and give it the potential that I, I saw in it in the beginning without any You must be tape. so excited. Yeah, I mean, I'm just excited to just show people what what we're capable of without the big conglomerates, without... It's without, hard. You get caught up in all the politics of a big company. Oh, yeah, and yeah. It's, their, their end goal might not be what your end goal is. No, no. Visions might not align. And, you know, if it's their money, you can't really say much. Of course At the end not. of the day, if it's their money, they call all the shots, you know? Of course. So, so are you launching new products? I mean, I know I you're doing the rebrand, but what else is happening? Launching new products. It's just a brand new brand. That's why I call it a rebirth. We're not... Re- really relaunching it's really a brand new it's a it's a rebirth and it's, where is it going to be available it's going to be available e-commerce only for now Great. and cosmetics.com and i noticed that a lot of people question well why not in retail and to be honest i've noticed a lot of my beauty creator friends and industry people they buy more online than they do in store i only buy online yeah i only buy online too it's crazy yeah. mm-hmm. i feel like i'm like why would i not it's just so easy especially living in a big city like yeah Going into a retail store for me at this point is anxiety producing. It is, yeah. I'm like, if I can it sit is, at home and just like get my beauty products and get my fashion products yeah. and get my stuff from Amazon, right, I'm right. very happy. And do you, I'm sure you also do research. You probably watch a few videos yep. or you read the reviews. Especially mm-hmm. for beauty. For fashion, I don't. I feel yeah, like yeah. I have, you know your size, I know what yeah. I like. But for beauty, oh my God. Yeah. You have to. I read so much before I purchase yeah. something. Oh, that's so important because you you want to see the texture when someone's uh, applying it on. I mean, it's it's so much more visual, and if you're not going to have that sensorial uh, experience, then the bet, next bet the next best bet will be beauty creators who yeah. are doing it for you. So, how are you gonna make your brand different than what already exists in the space? Um, I I try not to think about making it different. I just wanted to make the brand. For me, it was like, I want M Cosmetics to be a brand that I would wear, that I'm excited about, that I love. These are products that I think are badass. They work, they're effective, they deliver what is promised at a great affordable price point, but still the design and aesthetic is high end. So this is really a reflection of how I wanted to see the beauty brand. I'm not necessarily interested in making things different because I feel like once you start on that path um, and you have that competitive mode, you lose... You lose you're just that like thinking too crazy. Yeah, yeah, you're starting to compete, keeping up with the Joneses instead of just innovating. In, yeah, just in making a great eyeliner, like. or a mm-hmm. great blush. If everyone, if every beauty brand focused on whatever innovation they wanted to um, promote or to uh, to to disrupt, we would have better products. But you're seeing that a lot of these beauty brands I've noticed they're all just launching the same highlighters, the same liquid lipstick, and and again keeping up with the joneses but it's refreshing because now you have these creators who are coming into the space and they're giving these beauty brands a different point of view which i think they all need yeah are you going to listen to your community when it comes to creating product for sure i mean even one of our first product that we're now relaunching our lip cloud it is a product that was curated by our 
by my community. That's great. They wanted a liquid lipstick that was not drying, it was, that was um, uh, that was more comfortable, and that's exactly what we created. So you listened to them and created 100%. it. 100%. That's what's so exciting about the position that you're in, is that you can like crowdsource yeah. for information to create your product for and sure. really create something that you know the minute it hits is going to be sellable because you use the opinion of your consumers. And, yeah, they do all the heavy lifting for me. It's like, what do you want me to make? <laughs> Let me make this. You're like, like done. Right. It's like so, some of their ideas are like kind of Jetson ideas. Like, I don't know, guys, if I can make that, but we'll put that on the our dream list. Yeah. <laughs> And and to your point about packaging, I mean, we see this all the time. I feel like packaging is almost equally as important as yeah, the product it's itself. It's the album cover, you know. Yep, especially in a social world. Um, all, I see our students all the time just get so excited to post a product. And half the time I don't know if they're excited about the product or about the packaging of it. And to be able to say they have it in their makeup bag or that, yeah. you know, it's on their desk. Right. So it's smart that you're putting a lot of thought into that because oh, I, I don't think sure. a, enough beauty brands are thinking through um, that element as much. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, like, I, I have an advantage because I'm doing a relaunch, so I can just start from ground zero and right. do whatever. Some beauty brands, they might have a hard time revamping their product design because everything has been set in stone. And, you know, they have to maintain, like, yeah the branding this is why like I'm all about being independent <laughs> yeah you're like, like you taking change, it back yeah if you want to change go like look at UNIF UNIF their original logo was this triangle thing right and then now it's wavy so it's kind of cool yeah showing absolutely. you that you don't have to follow all the rules if you're a digital brand yeah I'm excited for you I think it makes Thanks. complete sense and it's um it, it's really cool to see something tangible that you've created and in the digital world I mean it's amazing, but sometimes it's hard. Like, what am I actually doing? But yeah. to create a product that you can actually hold, you're like, you know, yes. it's a different feeling that yes. um, is and really exciting. There's a lot of weight, a lot of thought and meaning went behind every single product. And I think the story, it's kind of nice and relatable in a way because, you know, I'm relaunching, I'm, re I'm rebirthing this brand because it failed when we first launched. And I launched over 200 different SKUs. It was a major flop because of the price point, the price point didn't match with my demographic. Um, it, it just, it, it was, it just, it, like, there were so many alignments and there were so many aspects that were misaligned that led to the failure of the brand. And most people, you know, when they fall like that, it's so hard to get back up, you know, because most people was, wouldn't. Most people would walk away. Yeah, most people so would walk away. So it's admirable that you're pushing forward. Yeah, it's crazy, though, because it was three years of my life when I developed the first brand. But funny enough, in conjunction with that, I was developing Ipsy at the same time. So had I not have done Ipsy, probably would have been screwed. You know, I wouldn't have been able to um, buy myself out and yeah. take ownership again. So, um, But you saw the opportunity. You're in the right place at the I right did. time. I did. Right place, right time, and also listening to my intuition, like making sure not to like d diversify my eggs not just putting everything in one basket you know you just want to make sure to diversify because in digital it, things can be very um uh it's uh, things can be very it could just change so fast and get a platform can become obsolete within a day yep. like even vine for example vine was so big and all it took were some of the top 10 viners to boycott it for a month and then pretty much it become irrelevant yeah irrelevant and it's crazy it's really crazy is there a new social platform that you're into mm, outside of the obvious I wouldn't say new I mean I've, I've been digging IG a lot recently because of I've noticed that whenever I upload an IG um, story 
it gets way more views than my snaps. We're Snapchat seeing story. that also. Yeah, so it's kind of cool to see that because I, I was so fatigued going like back and forth with my Snapchat and then IG and it's like, dude, I have no time for myself. I have to maintain all of this. How? So it's kind of nice to have like a central place. Um, We're seeing that trend mm-hmm. across the board with our contributors and all oh, of our sure. brand partners. So yeah, um, it's, Keep, but it's all about IG now. Like, but that's what's scary is Snapchat can become irrelevant. Yeah. Well, Snapchat made a good investment, though, because I was in China in January, and they have um, a business, uh, I think it's Snap Inc., and so they're going to get more into, um, from what I heard, hardware. I would say apps that I'm really interested in are more in Asia, because I was in China, so I saw all the apps that they were using out there, and it's just freaking crazy. Mind-blowing. It's super mind-blowing. Cool. If you could go back and and tell your 22-year-old self anything, what would it be? would tell my 22-year-old self to chill out, like chill the F out. Like, it's going to work stop out. Stop trying, like stop putting so much pressure on yourself. I think there's that pressure of the mid-century, uh, the, yeah, the mid, no, mid-century, yeah, mid-century type of pressure where I need to be successful at least by 25. And it's, it's not It's like realistic. you're a baby at 25. Yeah, but you know, like I remember a few years ago on my, uh, when I was um, looking through my Facebook feed and I think I was like 26 or 27 and I noticed that a lot of my friends reached that point too and so many depressing quotes and like people were unhappy a lot of them are in debt and they didn't get the job that they were promised you know from their um their degree that they were given and you could see the shift in just behavior you know there's no more pictures of them partying it's just really sad quotes and it was really sad for me to see that because I realized, wow, you know, if only you guys had a chance to just do what you wanted instead of um, putting all your faith and trust into a system that worked for so long. And in a way, it's outdated. You know, it's outdated and it's not working, obviously. We see that student loans, it's the debt, the student loan debt is at all time high. And um, even though people, people are telling me that, oh, yeah, but we're getting a lot of jobs, though, there's a lot of jobs in the market. Yeah, but you look at what's in the job market, it's third sector jobs, you know, uh, waitressing, Ubering, that's not a real career. And once you have autonomous cars, that's it. Like, there goes all the Uber and Lyft drivers, you know. So I think people just need to start reevaluating their situation, whether you're in school or even at a job right now. And you have to ask yourself, okay, obviously times times have changed. We are living in a very connected global world. Thing people are more connected via internet, via social media. You have to make sure that your job is in a way um, future proof, at least for another ten years. You know, and then of course whatever new technology comes along. So sometimes that's a hard wake up call, but it's it's good too because it gives people the chance to to find clarity again because. If you're just going to stick with a roadmap that's laid out for you, you're going to set yourself up for failure if you're expecting a certain end goal. Yeah, but and you'll if, never be happy. You'll never be happy. But if you know what you want and you have goals, but not expectation, not expectations, so setting goals instead of expectations, you, get, you leave yourself room for, again, spontaneity where magic happens. Just like me with my laptop that I got from art school and then trying out YouTube. And before I filmed my makeup tutorial, I wouldn't have done that had I not have been rejected at a beauty counter. I was rejected at a beauty counter, didn't get the job, and a month later I made my first video. 
Right. So see, like sometimes seizing, rejection like, can be a blessing. And I think, yeah, I think it's seizing the opportunity and not going into a hole if you get rejected or something doesn't go your way and feeling like, well, I deserve this or this yeah. should happen. It's like, how do I yeah. take this opportunity and turn it around? I think exactly. that's incredible advice. Mm-hmm. Point of view. It's all perspective, right? Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you a couple. This is, I could talk to you for hours. You have such great insight. No, man, it's cool. I'm going to ask two questions from our contributors. So the first one is from Nora Murphy, and she goes to Parsons. And her question is, you've had so many different achievements throughout your career. For example, YouTube, writing a book. She states all of your achievements. What has been your proudest success so far? Retiring my mom. That was my first dream since I was a child because I saw how hard she worked as an immigrant mom. She never had vacations. She worked, I think, like 13, 14-hour shifts doing nails. And I think one day she just made $5. It was so sad. You know, and seeing that motivated me. And it just gave me this fire to... To, to not stop you know like even if I fail I'm just gonna I'll pivot I'll try something it's for her like anything for her and so when I was able to retire my mom there was a huge weight up just disappe- dissipated off my shoulder this weight that just this burden just disappeared and then I was able to focus on my other goals that I had that I was able to cross out but that was the most proudest moment that I think any any kid could ever have, you know. When Especially you at a parents, young age. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. And then the next question is from Sarah Carello. She goes to Ithaca. Do you have any tips on staying mindful when social media and technology are consuming your life? And that's such a good question. Yeah. I mean, the first thing is you have to ask yourself, um, how much am I on this, you know? And you, if, you, if you're asking yourself that and you're still holding on to your phone, obviously there is a – there, there needs to be a separation between church and state, you know, it's how I see it, where what I do now is I, I'll charge my laptop and my phone till it's like 100%, and I'll leave it off the charger, and I use it all day, and once it dies, I die with it, and then I put it on recharge mode, and I don't touch any technology, I read a book, or I just eat, or I chill, or I shower, I do anything but looking at a screen, and that has given me space between being on and being off because before social media when people had their phones it was it was it was different you know you didn't feel the pressure of going on and you know FOMO the fear of missing out and posting and being relevant um, it was a form of connecting and then social media came along and it became a little more complicated than just connecting it's connecting but you kind of want to show people that you're good this is your life your carefully curated life that you have on your Instagram and you know, your social media, and this is how you present yourself to the world. So it became so complicated, I felt. And that, in in a, in a way, it became social anxiety. Like, you, people are having social anxiety Absolutely. through their phones. There's something wrong there, obviously. And you have to have an intervention with yourself. And it starts off by little things, like I mentioned, like just charge your phone or your laptop up to 100%, and then once it dies – because it, it reminds you that even a phone, even a machine, that's a machine. It's not human. It's not living like us. Even they need a break. Yeah. You need a break, too. You have to give yourself that break. It's so important. This Saturday, I didn't take my phone out with me. And I went, I'm getting married in September. And I went tuxedo shopping with my yes. fiance. And I was like, 
I'm actually enjoying like what you're trying on and looking at it you're instead of like in the trying to like take a Snapchat to like yeah. be like, does this look good? And I, it was just, it was so nice and I was, was so nice, right? calm. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to try this every Saturday. I'm not going to bring my phone with oh, me and just right. like see where that goes. Right. And I agree. I mean, it, it, you have to do it or mm-hmm. you're going to make yourself insane. Dude, like six, seven years ago, this wasn't a job. Now it's a job. You know, I'm sure you, you, your phone wasn't a job six years ago. It was just your phone to talk to your homies and like take pictures and do fun things. And now it's like emails from your work. And yeah, like, it, it, it kind of like there's no more boundaries between personal and, and professional life. Agreed. So how I was able to remedy this just a little bit with my team is I made sure my M team they all downloaded a messenger app called Line, and this is where we do our communication. We don't. I don't, I'm not going to pers- text you on your, on your personal text message. I will text you on this application. This is where we communicate, so we can use really cool expressive stickers instead of emojis. So if I'm stuck in traffic, instead of saying I'm stuck in traffic, I'll send a picture of a cartoon character that looks miserable in traffic. They get it. They know I'm going to be a little late. So it's a way to communicate. We can send each other videos and pictures. We can do unlimited calls and separating. You know, it's all about separating the work from your personal. Because people, everyone's phone, like, I'm sure your phone, it's your personal phone, but you do work on yeah. it, right? Got to know when to separate it, which is very important. I agree. I agree. Okay, the last questions are one word answer. Favorite city? Tokyo. Must have drugstore product. Must have drugstore product. I would say tweezer, men tweezer. Go to snack. Hot Cheetos. Facial or massage. Facial. Guilty pleasure TV show. It it was Game of Thrones, but right now it's. I just finished Westworld, which is crazy. That show it. is freaking gnarly, dude. It is a mind <laughs> f. That's okay, all. I need to get into it. Minimal or dramatic makeup. Minimal. Thank you. you. This was amazing. It was so great chatting with you. And thank you so much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Michelle, and to you for listening. Stay tuned for a great lineup of guests in the coming weeks. 